into A to Z Sports powered by TennesseeTickets.com. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Zach Bingham. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at A to Z Sports and you like our Facebook page at A to Z Sports Nashville. We are Nashville's on-demand sports talk network and we go live every weekday morning at 8 central time. Got to thank our sponsors because they make everything happen for our show, for our business, and they help you guys out, including our title sponsor, TennesseeTickets.com. You guys saved a bunch of money if you use TennesseeTickets.com on this playoff run. Uh, promo code AZ10, AZ10 for $10 off any ticket purchase you have, whether it's Preds, concerts, college athletics, whatever it is, TennesseeTickets.com. Renters Warehouse, the professional landlords in the Nashville area. RentersWarehouse.com is where to go to find out how much your home can rent for. Selling your house is a one-time transaction, but renting your house out when you move does two things. You create a cash flow and you also build equity in the home you already own. RentersWarehouse.com and Mandu, the pulse of fitness. A 15-minute workout at Mandu simulates five-plus hours in the weight room because of the science of full-body electronic muscle stimulation. Mandu.com, your first workout is free. And this week, we will be giving away four sessions to Mandu to one of you guys. So be following along our social media all week for a chance to win four free workouts uh, that can truly change your 2020. That's for sure. All right, all right, Zach. The time. Got- time out. Time out to start this show. Oh, all wow. right. We're going to get to this later on, but I have to read this comment. <laughs> I have to read this comment to start. Oh, boy. I don't know what's going to happen. I haven't seen any comments so far. Zach's well, already... then just react. Okay, Organically react yeah, sure. to one Sterling. Top fan. We appreciate you, Sterling. I think this comment is bogus, but we're going to read it. Quote, we're getting rid of the wrong QB. Marcus struggled when the ground game wasn't there. He carried us against the Browns, regardless of QB. If Henry doesn't rush for those 100-plus, we lose. All I could think about last night is how Marcus put the Titans on their back last time he caught KC in the playoffs. Sterling, you know what you, you thought of? Marcus on his back after he was sacked so many times at the beginning of the year. This is ridiculous. Ryan Tannehill... Saved the season. <laughs> and Sterling follows up with stats don't lie. Like, <laughs> so, look, we're, Yeah, we're, Ryan Tannehill's stats don't we're, lie. We're going to get back on track. We're going to talk about Marcus <laughs> oh, Mariota. But man. Sterling, that comment, which you put some time and effort into, is ridiculous. We'll talk about that later. Let's get back on track. Okay, so Zach, uh, this morning before the show, you came in, and we're not going to get into the Mariota stuff yet. We'll talk about Mariota, the positive things later on the show about Mariota. Uh, but you, you mentioned you have it. You have the one thing the Titans should regret in this game. Uh, what is that there, Zach? Well, I, I think that after thinking about the game a little bit more, talking about it in our post-game show yesterday at the Mainstay, I think I came to the conclusion and you recognized it a little bit yesterday in the postgame show. The biggest regret is how they defended Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is a great quarterback already. It's pretty unbelievable. But there were so many times where Harold Landry dropped back into coverage and they only rushed three. The philosophy was let's defend in the back half of the defense, not try to blitz, not try to put pressure on Mahomes to prevent the big play, right? Because usually, if you bring more guys, that frees up guys like Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and other sure. dynamic weapons. Yeah. But I think, you know, hindsight, you know, what happened, happened. But I think hindsight is the Titans needed a better game plan to pressure and rattle Patrick Mahomes because it felt like 
from the drive they scored on at the, the end of the second quarter, right before halftime, till the rest of the game. He could do whatever the hell yeah, he wanted. Yeah, and if you remember, let's go back to the Ravens game. Remember the halftime show uh, against the Ravens when I said the one problem I have was third and longs, the Titans only rushed three, and Lamar Jackson had all day to throw? It's the same thing again yesterday, except it just wasn't on third and longs only. It was on first down, it was on second down, it was on third down, and that last drive in the second quarter to make the Chiefs go up 21-17 there that really you felt like was the turning point in the game. I feel they converted multiple third downs. That was a long drive. That drive started at the Chiefs' 14-yard line with under two minutes to go, and they scored with 11 seconds and saved. They didn't even use their two timeouts. That's how easy that drive was, but they converted multiple third downs. They got... The Titans missed a couple tackles on that drive. Missed a lot of tackles on the Mahomes run. And he'll make you. But do the, that. the game plan was, was here's what the game plan was against Mahomes: rush three, have a spy, and that spy attacks whenever Mahomes moves outside the pocket. The problem was that the three couldn't get off their box. And the, the Chiefs, spy missed tackles. The at Chiefs' times. offensive line is good. The Chiefs' offensive line, like all offensive lines in the in the championship weekend, are good offensive lines. So when you've got five guys to block three guys, and then the fourth of the spy, like Mahomes is gonna have all day. The only times where they got some pressure, remember when Mahomes fumbled the snap, Roberson was right in his face. There was one play where Vaccaro blitzed and forced to throw away. When they brought extra pressure and delayed blitzes, that's where Mahomes had to think and make a decision before he wanted to. Other than that, he had all damn day to throw, and the the Titans made their hay on being an aggressive defense. Fast and aggressive. Play fast and aggressive. They didn't do that. They went against one of their one of their team mottos in the AFC Championship game, and they did not play fast and aggressive on defense. They were more reactive. And a, and a periscoper mentioned this. I, I think it did solidify. the Titan. We know the Titans' problems, and, and I think that in the draft and in the offseason, they will have to address. They didn't have anybody else on the other side of Harold Landry. Harold Landry is a starting outside linebacker in this league. I think Correa, Roberson, those are backups. Those are depth players yeah. that played above their means. Yes. But the guy that they took a chance on, Cameron Wake, 37 years old, wasn't dressed out because he was on IR because he got hurt and he couldn't give you the full season of the game, couldn't last the season due to injury. That I, I, I look at that and it's they needed that pass rusher. We talked about this before the show. I think we can touch on it now is – there was a time after the Texans game where the Titans could have gone out and got Terrell Suggs. Terrell Suggs, instead of going to Baltimore, he actually went to Kansas City. Kansas City's going to the Super Bowl. So, like, and Terrell Suggs had an impact in that game. He absolutely did. And he's had an impact since he's got to Kansas City. So, And we talked about the Titans preventing some of the teams that they could face in the playoffs by getting Suggs, especially after he said he only wanted to go to Baltimore. So... The Titans didn't. I think Correa and Roberson elevated their level of play. Yeah, it's not like but those. Yeah. It wasn't enough it, with a three-man pass rush right. against 
one of the best quarterbacks in, in the world. Well, because Jarrell Casey was getting stonewalled just because he was getting double teamed. Jeffrey Simmons, I haven't seen the snap counts come out of how many snaps guys played, but I did notice there was a third and one uh, in that game in the third quarter when the Chiefs uh, were driving that ended up being their touchdown drive to go up 28-17. There was a third and one where Jeffrey Simmons was not on the field. And it was, it was Jarrell Casey, Daquan Jones, and two outside linebackers were the front four, and they handed it off to Damian Williams, who picked up four yards. There was no Jeffrey Simmons on third and one. That's something where I'm like, ah, I mean, the, the personnel, it, it doesn't match up. But that's what the Chiefs do. And the Chiefs are different than the Patriots and the Ravens because those two teams are one-dimensional. The Chiefs create so much misdirection that their misdirection makes the Titans' defense think. And when the Titans' defense is thinking extra, their confidence in short-yarded situations can't just be as good because they're having to think more about who's going where and jet sweeps to Hill and Hardman and, and reverse outs by Mahomes before the handoff. That That's what made it difficult. They put the Titans' defense in a ton of conflict all game long. So the question is, what's the biggest mistake that cost the Titans the AFC Championship game and the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl and play for the, the Lombardi Trophy? What's the biggest mistake that cost them in my opinion it was looking back it was the DNP's game plan defensively against Patrick Mahomes I will say this and I'm curious comment in the comment section we'll read those comments what the biggest mistake was that cost them the game as I look at the landscape of the NFL in 2020 the aging quarterbacks of Drew Brees and Tom Brady getting bounced in in this playoffs I think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback right now yeah, and he's I mean, got you know, he, he, he number one. Well, yeah, and he's got the talent that makes that makes his job easier. Yeah, but he is the best quarterback. But the talent, he's better than everybody, any other quarterback in the league. I, I agree. The talent, I would take Mahomes over Lamar Jackson, even though right. They, they yes, lost to the best. Yes, quarterback. there's no there's no arguing that they lost to the best quarterback, and the talent that Kansas City has acquired around Mahomes fits Patrick Mahomes' throwing style and playing style because they're all fast. So there's no doubt about that. So like losing to the Chiefs is not like the worst thing in the world because the Chiefs were one of the best teams in the entire NFL, and that was a year where Mahomes dislocated his kneecap. So this is tough for Titans fans to swallow because, you know, that's t- AFC Championship game. This was a magical year. It, what a run at the end of the season. Finding Tannehill, changing your season after 2-4. and four. But at the end of the day, you ran into a buzzsaw that's the best quarterback in the NFL all the weapons, as Austin described, and a defense that played well enough to to kind of stifle what the Titans wanted to do. So it, it's easier to swallow because you can understand things, right? I think the crazy thing is, is like when when things are not understood. Yesterday, Titans just couldn't keep up. All right. So what was the biggest mistake? Because uh, I see Sean Gill says personnel was more damning than the mistakes, basically saying that the Chiefs just had better players than the Titans, and that's what won the game. I, I do think there were some mistakes. Well, the, uh, Chiefs, the Chiefs' best player played a lot better than the Titans' best player. I mean, when you get to the playoffs, it's it's like playoffs in sports. That's the reason why like Sidney Crosby wins the MVP in the Stanley Cup. It's the reason why LeBron James and Kawhi Leonard, the cream rises, and Patrick Mahomes was just better than Derrick Henry yesterday. Yeah, and G-Man on base says, thinking back at 2-4, and four, he'll take this. That's not what we're talking about today. Like, today, the Titans, what we're focused on right now is the fact that the Titans had a chance to win a game to go to the freaking Super Bowl, 
and they didn't do it. They lost. Why did they lose? What was the biggest mistake what was, that damned so the Titans? To me, the offensive line play damned the Titans. And it's in the running game, also in the passing game, the offensive line got pushed around. And it wasn't just one guy that the offensive line multiple times had penalties or missed blocks that hurt the Titans' offensive chances. Taylor Lewan got beat on a set on a, by Suggs on a short Derrick Henry run where he collapsed down. Uh, Nate Davis got beat for a sack on that was that was a big one. This was the the Titans were down twenty eight to seventeen. It's the drive in the third quarter in the in the beginning of the fourth quarter where the Titans did not run the ball once with Henry. It was third and seven or eight, and Tannehill drops back. Nate Davis got beat. The right guard got beat bad. He gets beat once and again. guess who was wide open for a first down? Corey Davis was coming right out of his break. If you watch the TV copy again, they show it from behind Tannehill. Corey Davis was coming out of his break, and Tannehill did not have the time to deliver the football because he got hit as soon as he got to the back of his drop. And so, But Nate Davis, we've uh, watched him. One, a once half, a game. A half second longer. Once a game, Nate, of Nate Davis, Davis. Gets beat. Even if you talk about the hold on Dennis Kelly that was a hold on third and one, Derrick Henry didn't pick up that first down. Why? Roger Saffold whiffed, and then Ben Jones got tied up, and then Nate Davis couldn't reach his block because Nate because Ben Jones is on the ground. So the offense the offensive line, Jack Conklin had a couple bad plays there. They, the offensive line, in my opinion, was the issue yesterday for the Titans' offense. That's why Derrick Henry wasn't as effective in the run game, and that's why Ryan Tannehill got sacked in a couple big plays. Well, Fabian kind of sums it up on both sides. He says, the Chiefs won the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, plain and simple. The Titans won the line of scrimmage against the Patriots and the Ravens. That's why they won the game. Yeah. They lost both sides of the line of scrimmage yesterday. And and we know that's a major factor in whether you're trying to come back or whether you're trying to hold on to a lead. Well, and Sean says slow de- developing routes hurt too. Well, when it's third and eight, you kind of have to. Like you kind of have you got to get to the sticks. And Corey Davis was about to get open for about a ten yard gain. It was a ten yard route on third and eight. And he was coming out of his break, turning around. It was going to be right in the center. And Tannehill could have had him for an easy pitch and catch. I will say some subtle positives from yesterday. Adam Humphreys coming back off of injury played really well. Because he was there. He was that that safety valve for Tannehill on those third downs, fourth down as well. And he's reliable. He catches the football. Now, is he worth $9 million? Ah, that's We can talk about that later. But I... I thought that was a positive for him coming back. Sure. Looking towards the future. Yeah, yeah. Adam Humphreys is going to be a good asset to this team. I think Anthony Ferkser is a growing player who can help uh, as Delaney Walker is nearing his exit. I don't know what's going to happen with Delaney. We'll talk about that at a later date. But Anthony Ferkser is a bright spot young player for this future, for this Titans team. There's a lot of there's a lot of positives about this organization right now. A ton. But right now, I think the offensive line that has a lot of capital on it with Saffold and Lewan being highly paid, Ben Jones getting a contract extension, and Nate Davis, a third-round rookie. A lot of people are saying, I saw one comment said that Nate Davis needs to be cut. That's a joke of a comment. <laughs> Nate Davis is a third-round rookie from Charlotte who missed all a training camp in the first three weeks of the season and turned into a pretty good player. But Zach, you're right. About once or twice a game, Nate Davis would get blown up. 
And the Titans couldn't overcome it yesterday because it was a third and eight where they had to get points on that drive, and Nate Davis got blown up by a Chiefs lineman. All right, so Robert, who sounds like a former official, and we can kind of talk about this right now because we're still diagnosing the game. We'll get to Ryan Tannehill and Marcus Mariota later on. But Robert says, Austin, as someone who's an official, that hold call on Dennis Kelly on third and one was petty. We're, we're taught not to call a questionable hold that is away from the ball. That was questionable uh, hold away from the well, ball. Well, and, and, and it was away from the ball, no doubt about that. Was it questionable? I don't know. I saw I saw Dennis Kelly grab the shoulder pads of Frank Clark. Uh, yeah, I thought and, it and was like, a hold. Because Frank Clark cut across Dennis Kelly's face so fast. And he actually got to the other side of the line of scrimmage, so he wasn't away from the ball. Well, he was away from the ball. He was literally, the ball was going left tackle. That was a right tackle play because Dennis Kelly was the right tackle because Jack Conklin was on the left side of Taylor Lewan. And Kelly got beat. Go watch the play. No, I, Kelly, I know that. Kelly I, got beat. And but he wasn't the, the defender went across the line. He yes, but he didn't go towards. He went more down deep. He into went the, towards the football. Okay, what, what Zach, was the end of the, what was the, end of the play? I don't know why you're. The, it was further away from Frank Clark. It was he was it was away from the ball. And uh, Titans Kyle says the flag was thrown before he held. No, there were two flags thrown. The first one was potentially for like an illegal formation or something or, or, or something pre-snap. But they didn't say that. They didn't say that. That, and that was a poor job of communication by the head official. So you're assuming something. Well, See that? Well, no, no, no. That, that's the assumption. Austin. There was a pre-snap penalty. That, that was, there was something happened. Well, when, when the ref, if there's two flags on the play, it's happened multiple times, there are two penalties both against the offense. Holding number 71 Again, on the Tennessee Titans. That's a poor Illegal job. Foreign that's a poor job of communication by the referee. The head referee should have should have explained that. Well, why the initial flag was thrown. That's something that I... I and but I'm again, it didn't to... matter. It didn't matter. One, Derrick Henry got stopped on that third and one. He was short. Would they have gone for it on fourth and one? But, Vrabel was asked that question. What is it about? It's about optics. Like, again, we're not... I'm, we're sitting here not saying that that decided the game. It didn't. Like, it, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's optics, though. That thing went viral. Like, there were national media questioning that call because the ref threw the flag. That wasn't a hold. Uh, and But he, he, it was, was a, poor it communication. Was a, yes, the NFL needs to disclose sure, that it was poor that, communication. Absolutely, yes. But that in, did not impact the play whatsoever. But it's a mass, It's poor optics. Sure, it's poor optics, but it doesn't matter. Like, Poor optics are optics. Optics did not affect that third and one play. Dennis Kelly's hold also did not affect well, that third that and one play. That on top of the, uh, and I would like to see what the NFL has to say about the defensive pass interference call on Tremaine Brock. I didn't feel like that was pass interference. Yes, that he is. He turned around and you could actually see the Chiefs guy pull Tremaine Brock down instead of vice versa. So uh, those two, look, we're, we're talking about the game. We're not sitting here saying that the Titans should have won. They should have lost. They did lose. But these two calls by referees should be discussed. We would, we would not, we'd be doing a poor job as a sports talk show to not bring them up. So, like, yeah, bad optics on the on the the flag that came out basically when the whistle was blown or the ball was snapped, and then that's not defensive pass interference. That's a no call. I I, I believe it should have been a no call. And that but no call is important. The position third down, they punt. Now the Titans get the ball back with 
Time, yeah, over was, two it minutes. Was, it was it would they would have gotten the ball back with like almost four full minutes on the four clock. minutes now, down eleven yeah. with the ball to drive down two timeouts and a two minute warning. Correct. Yes. That, Ta- oh, now we're talking something. No, I agree that like that was a no call. And if you go back and look at that pass interference call on Tremaine Brock, where was the official who threw the flag positioned? He was positioned even with the two players in the play. And Tremaine Brock did get his head around late, but the referee was over here. And even when getting his head around, the referee's viewpoint was that he didn't get his head around. And so that was just the positioning. One, I was, were two flags thrown to the, the I, front? I, I want to say both. I know the back so. judge threw, threw the flag. And I want to say the guy with that, with that view of Brock. He threw the flag. As Both well. guys threw the flag. Threw the flag. The the back judge also was had, had Brock was guarded by uh, the receiver uh, Tyreek Hill, so it was a that was a bad call in an AFC Championship game. And I tweeted this yesterday. The NFL wants to be able to help out in the referees with pass interference penalties in big moments like this. But they didn't do it, and the referees are out there having to make judgment calls in the blink of an eye when that's very difficult to do on a on a 41-yard penalty. Well, and you, you talk about poor optics. The NFL dealt with poor optics all last season based on a championship game pass interference call or no call, right? So that's why these things are important is we're, they're not changing, right? Like, like, they're still making poor calls. And it's a f- directly affecting the game, and we, we discussed And that. Zach Reagan, our writer at AtoZSportsNational.com, I thought tweeted this appropriately last night, that after every game, the referee needs, we need to have that, those quotes of what they are saying about these calls. I know there's a pool reporter that can choose to go to talk to the referee about some calls, and that's that reporter's duty, but you never hear anything that comes out from that pool reporter. There's nothing that ever comes from that. And and I guess that poor reporter maybe wanted to go be in the Chiefs locker room because the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. I get that, but that's a selfish move by the pool reporter if that in fact happened, but nothing ever comes out of the pool reporters talking to referees. Uh, uh, Damon, you're going to like this comment because I, I agree with it. Not keeping the Chiefs offense out of the end zone is the reason why the Tennessee Titans lost. They took the clock strategy in the second half and kept Henry on the sideline. That combined with Arthur Smith not giving Derrick Henry the ball, those two things, because, and I said it from yesterday, it was the seven-minute drive. It, it, it extended from third quarter to the beginning of the fourth quarter and capped off with the touchdown that extended the lead even more. Like It was 31-17 to 17 after that drive. That was the deciding drive of the game. I I thought it was very influential. Uh, it was very no no no. You're talking about it's 21 17. You said 31 at half at half. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you just excuse me, yeah, excuse yeah. me. But that drive, that seven minute drive, was the most important drive of the game because exactly what Damon said is it it kept the Titans' clock strategy, which is Derrick Henry. It actually flipped the field. It was the Chiefs had the clock strategy. Instead, and that's that's unusual. Usually, the Chiefs score so damn quick, and, and the Chiefs scored touchdowns. They didn't sell for field goals. That was another thing that the Titans had previously forced their opponents to do. Whether it was going forward on fourth down and making stops or field goals, the Chiefs 
they did what they usually do and they get touched. Yeah, Ethan Ramsey brings this up. Uh, I think it's a good point. He says, Arthur Smith kept calling that useless toss play. That didn't help anything either. They, uh, the first 16 carries for Derrick Henry, he had four toss plays. And I think the, the longest one was four yards, maybe three yards. And I don't know what they saw in the Chiefs' defense that thought that they could get outside, that the toss would work, but it didn't. And that 25% of his carries were toss plays by the time they ran the last one. I didn't like that. And then you also look at the uh, that third and seven uh, right before the half, before the Chiefs came back and took the lead, the first three and out. They ran a screen to Deion Lewis. I get why they did that because they knew they would complete the screen and the clock would at least get to the two minute warning if they could not get the first down. But in that situation, you've got to get the first down and a a, a screen to Deion Lewis on third and seven. I don't have a lot of confidence that Deion Lewis is going to be able to pick up those seven yards. He had at times before this season. I, I, I but think, in, in, a, in a situation, you diagnosed it the right way. They had you to have it. to get the third, the first down, because well, if you get that first but if down, you don't the clock has to continue to run. Right, and if you look on that play, I know it was a screen from the get go. It was a screen the whole way. AJ Brown was on a crossing route and he was open, and he would have gotten the first down after the catch if he would have gotten yeah, it. But it was a screen the whole way. Games, that's for tough. sure. A to Z Sports. Um, Danny says Henry isn't an outside runner. He's a downhill runner and makes people miss. Weren't even trying to call plays to help him try that. I mean, Derrick Henry is both an outside runner and an inside runner. And, and Derrick Henry has had success this year. Didn't yesterday. This year on toss plays and then cutting it back against the grain and finding open space. And that's where Terrell Suggs comes into and, play. And that may have influenced it. Because the cutback lane was not there because Terrell Suggs was very good yesterday and cutting off the backside uh, cutback lane for Derrick Henry. And he couldn't get that. He couldn't get it going. All right. So let's shift to Ryan Tannehill. Here's the question we're going to ask you on Periscope and on Facebook. How do you view Ryan Tannehill now after the Chiefs? After this game, after the AFC, and I have my own opinion on Ryan Tannehill. We we had a Mariota at the beginning. Of the, we'll talk about Mariota, but for for that, how how do you view Ryan Tannehill? So comment in the comment section on Periscope and on Facebook. But first, I'm going to tell you about where to get Preds tickets, National Concert tickets, Tennessee Titans tickets for next year. This is big. TennesseeTickets.com promo code AZ10 saves you ten dollars off. At checkout, no hidden fees. They've got deals on deals on deals. That's TennesseeTickets.com. All right, A to Z Sports, again, powered by TennesseeTickets.com. Jeff says should have claimed Suggs, probably so in hindsight. Uh, but how do you view Ryan Tannehill after his performance versus the Chiefs? We graded him yesterday. Uh, this is more about Ryan Tannehill as, as a whole. And I saw somebody say average. Uh, the time says at as a starting quarterback, nothing else. Good enough for a short contract. Uh, Cosmo says exposed. Donald says re-signed Tannehill. He played really well all year. Um, so, and and Greg asks, is the transition tag an option? We will talk about we'll talk about contract options and extension options and tag options with Tannehill and Henry and Logan Ryan and Conklin and everybody else later on. But how do you view Ryan Tannehill as the Titans quarterback right now? Because he played in thirteen. He started 13 games, three playoff games, 10 regular seasons. Threw a lot of touchdowns, threw two touchdowns yesterday. 
He put up a lot of points for this Titans offense. Record-breaking points for this Titans offense. How do you view Ryan Tannehill? I, I like... I. Yesterday does not make me waver in what I think Ryan Tannehill has done all year. And I saw a lot of people being like, uh, let him walk. I saw a lot of people be like, he's no good, let him go. Or he's just average. I think, I think you cannot let, as big of a game as that was, you cannot let that one game change what you thought the entire season of Ryan Tannehill. No, I, I think Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. But you know what? Good quarterbacks are hard to find in the league. If you great quarterbacks, are really hard to find. I kind of view him on the same level of like Kirk Cousins. Like I, Kirk Cousins got a three-year deal. Now all of his was guaranteed. I'm not comparing contracts, but I, I could see Ryan Tannehill. I think the smart thing to do is sign him to a three-year deal if you can. You're going to have to pay him because of his position, but he will do only so much. I also think that you have to find your next generational quarterback that can learn behind Tannehill. But Tannehill, he got a new life this year. He's playing on the Dolphins. The Dolphins are a bad franchise. Have been a bad franchise for a long time. Didn't have a lot of weapons. Like the one left, he had two weapons probably in his time in Miami. Kenyon Drake and, uh, I, I mean, that's pretty much it. Devontae Parker. There you go. There's two. Kenny Stills is pretty good. For yeah, uh, yeah, but Kenny Stills was a little bit later in his career. Like, I, I, he didn't have weapons. Now, with AJ Brown and Corey Davis and Jonu Smith and Derrick Henry, I think he proved to me that he can he can win football games in the NFL, which is hard to do. But eventually, I think that he's going to have to prove can he win a Super Bowl? Because, well, can he win the AFC Championship game? Well, because now you're to this point, right? Yeah. You got there. And that's what this season did. This season, that run creates expectations in a standard, right? Because they got to a point where they won a playoff game and they fired Malarkey because they wanted to go further. They've gotten further now with Mike Vrabel in year two and what John Robinson's done with his roster. So they've achieved that much. But now you set another standard. And that standard is a big one. Because now, realistically, you can say the Titans' expectations or to be Super Bowl contenders. Can you become that, and can you stay being that with Ryan Tannehill as your quarterback? That's the answer that John Robinson has to figure out. I, I honestly feel like Ryan Tannehill is a really good fit for what this offense wants to be and for what this team is structured to be. Uh, yes, but and here's what will make it easier, and this is why the Chiefs, the, the Chiefs were gifted by the Miami Dolphins beating the Patriots to get a first-round bye. The easiest way to get to the Super Bowl, the, the two teams that are in the Super Bowl had a first-round bye and home field advantage. Like, uh, they did. that. The, the easiest path, Mike Vrabel will tell you this with his time in the New England Patriots, you, you're, you have to be good enough to be the number one or number two seed, get a bye, and all you have to do is win two games. It's hard to do what the Titans did, and that is go on the road three straight weeks and win all three straight games against very good competition. It's hard. And we talked about it. They had to beat Houston. I know Houston didn't play all their, their starters. Away. Then they had to beat Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Away. Then they had to beat the MVP. Away. Then they had to beat the best quarterback in football. Away. That is a, now that is murderer's row. And usually you don't survive. So looking forward, I think you have to figure out, can Tannehill win you to the division? And can he let the Tennessee Titans 
be the top two team in the AFC. If, yeah. if you believe that he can, he's uh, the right quarterback. I think that he can, and I and I agree with uh, where I'm just going to find this comment. Sterling, Sterling, who had the awful Mariota take earlier, actually has a fair take here. He says. Titans are not just going to hop back to making the playoffs next year. There's a lot of work to be done. Everybody else knows the formula now. It will not be so easy next season, ask Chris Johnson. That's a fair comment. Vasco brings up another good comment. He says, I feel the Titans have to get the ball to A.J. way more even when Henry is rolling. A.J. needs the ball. Agree. A.J. Brown needs the ball more. Jonu Smith needs the ball more. In my opinion, Corey Davis needs the ball more. Adam Humphreys needs the ball more. And Derrick Henry needs the ball more. All those guys need the football more. Because I think I think the Titans have, if Derrick Henry comes back, let's just assume for sake of this conversation that Derrick Henry signs as some type of extension and he's back. This is the best collection of weapons, offensive weapons, the Titans have ever had. At me. Uh, th- it is. Because Humphreys, reliable. Corey Davis and A.J. Brown are very talented guys. Jonu Smith is a freak athlete and just continues to get better. And Derrick Henry led the NFL in rushing. So I feel like they've got to get everybody the ball more. And they have to learn Arthur Smith's biggest like offseason project is to figure out how to get A.J. Brown the ball when he wants to get in the ball and actually get that accomplished. Like when the Chiefs need a play, they know they go to Travis Kelsey and it's going to work. Travis Kelsey caught like 74% of his targets. That's unheard of. That's insane. It's like DeAndre How Hopkins. many of those were on third down? Probably, I don't know, like 60% of them. So Travis Kelsey gets the ball when they have to have some yards. That needs to be A.J. Brown. That needs to be Corey Davis. They've got to develop these guys. Austin Lamer says Davis is meh. Corey Davis is good. He's like, not Five fifth overall pick, good. No, he's not that. But Corey Davis is good. He's talented. He's strong with the football. He's good after the catch. He goes and catches the ball with his hands. He's a good route runner. A lot of times, Corey Davis was open this year, and he just wasn't looked at. And he had a good game yesterday. I think Corey Davis helped himself a lot. I know his season numbers didn't look that good, but they have to be able to learn how to get their guys the ball when they have to have something. Well, like it's the, like the basketball analogy: well, when you need a bucket, who's your go-to guy? Well, over the last couple of years, they've had quarterback struggles <laughs> because of Marcus Mariota being injured and not playing well. Like the combination of both. So that's the reason why. And Corey Davis maybe is a product of his quarterback. Maybe he's just who he is. But. Look, I, I think this Titans team, and, and we will talk about the long, the big picture of the team, but if you look at these playoff teams this year, NFL football teams have playoff windows. Like, they do. It's like a three-year, four-year. These the, the Titans have made the playoffs two out of the last three years. They had an opportunity to make it all three years, but they lost in Week 17. They've given them the chance. They're a, they were a good team. I think this year they played above their means late in the season in the playoffs. To probably become closer to a great team. I don't know if they achieved great. I think we'll diagnose that. But look at the playoff teams, all right? In the last three years, these teams have made the playoffs. Ravens, Texans, Chiefs, Patriots, uh, Titans, Vikings, Saints, Seahawks, Eagles, Green Bay. Like, all of them have made the, the, the Vikings. San Francisco and the Buffalo Bills in San Francisco, we know how they were structured. They drafted defense for the last four years. They found their quarterback, and they found their coach. Oh, that's a recipe for a win. They changed general managers. 
like three or four years ago. Their entire franchise was changed. All of these teams are built to continue on this path to get back into the playoffs. So I think that's a testament to what John Robinson has built as a whole. But the key factor this year, and the reason why they got further than they've gone, they've gone since 2003, quarterback, running back, played better than they ever have in the last couple of decades. Those two positions, very important positions, played better. Tannehill changed the course of the season, and Derrick Henry this year was the best running back in the league. Truck says, I think Tajay is a better two wide receiver. No, Corey Davis is a better wide receiver than Tajay Sharp. He is. I like Tajay Sharp. I think Tajay Sharp did a really good job when he needed to, when Adam Humphreys was out with his ankle injury. Corey da- And somebody else says, Corey Davis can't get any separation. Did you know? Here's a fact for you. Did you know Corey Davis was in top five in separation created of all NFL wide receivers? So that's just factually incorrect. Corey Davis actually does create separation. He just was the odd man out a lot. Austin. Yeah. Titans fans (laughs) will always judge Corey Davis on being a fifth overall pick. Yes. They won't judge him anywhere else. But here's. Because that's that's what he was picked at. Correct. That's fine. But guess what? I agree with what you say about Corey Davis, but that's not what he's judged by. It's like Mariota. We judge Mariota being the number two overall pick. We don't judge Mariota being a third-round pick, okay? So I, I understand where the fans are coming for because they're doing what they should do. You are what you are and where you are picked. Corey Davis has not played like a he number not, five he overall pick. He has not had the production. That's correct. And, and you are supporting and, him because here, he's played well. He is, but yes. He, but as a number five overall I, pick, you have to play great. And Lucas is correct. That's a, That was a luxury pick. Uh, I, a fifth overall wide receiver is a luxury pick. But guess what? Here's Here's the truth here. The Titans have a number one wide receiver. His name is A.J. Brown. And Corey Davis is an above average, is a very good, very good number two wide receiver. So you used a first round pick, a fifth overall pick, and a 51st overall pick to get a number one and a number two wide receiver that you feel very confident in. I know that there are flip-flopped, but the result was you got a number one and a really good number two. So I think, is Corey Davis's fifth-year option going to get picked up? I don't know. We'll talk about that in May when they have to make that decision. But they've got A.J. Brown and Corey Davis for at least another year, maybe two years together. Uh, that's something I think you should be very pleased with, with, with a franchise that swung and missed over and over and over, drafting wide receivers and signing free agent wide receivers. You've got two guys you drafted, and I think you've got a really good one in Adam Humphreys you signed in free agency. So there you go. You've got three receivers that you can count on, and that's something this franchise cannot say unless you go back to, what was it, Derek Mason, Drew Bennett, and who was the third guy? They didn't have one. They've got more now than they really ever had. Aaron Kinney? Aaron, no, I'm not. No, I mean, give me a break. <laughs> but that's the, the point. they got three guys that you can count on. Remember, a lot of people scoff at Adam Humphreys. Oh, he's getting paid $9 million. He's, he's been hurt. He's a bust. Adam Humphreys was leading the team in receptions before his injury. So he was being productive. He picked up a fourth down and like three third down conversions yeah, yesterday. I, I, I thought Adam Humphreys, was, he impressed me when he played, right? And... It's football. You the, get hurt. The reason why their stats don't look that great is because they ran the ball 300 times. Well, again, Adam Humphreys, in fans' perspective, will always be judged on the amount of money he makes. 
Just like and it. just like Corey Davis will always be judged on where he was drafted. So it makes a lot and of sense. And that's not Corey Davis's fault. That Corey Davis was drafted there. He made a lot of money because he was drafted there. But the fact that Derrick Henry had 303 rushing attempts and ten and the Titans only threw the ball 448 times, that's like 200 times less than like the what like throwing teams in the league do. So you're talking about a hundred completions that the Titans didn't have compared to throwing football teams. All right, while we're on the topic, before we get on to MM8, that conversation, Hunter asks, Zach and Austin, do you think that they trade Corey Davis and a future first-rounder to Cleveland for Odell Beckham Jr. or Landry if, in fact, they're on the trade? I ball? don't know why you would do that. The, to me, question. To me, ask. there's... There, so you're saying you would send Corey Davis and a future first-round pick to get either Landry or Odell? He's asking that. that that's that's what he's asking. I I think that's no. Why would you do that? That would that sounds ridiculous because you need that first round draft pick for some defensive help. I think that and Corey, they don't fit the mold of what John Robinson has built this. Yeah, team. like Corey Davis fits that mold. Name, name a player in the Titans locker room that acts like Odell Beckham Jr. acted for the national championship game when LSU won. I mean, they don't do that. No, yeah. they don't. They don't do that. But, hey, I wanted to bring that up. All right, so now we shift, and we're about to hear from Marcus Mariota. Our own Buck Rising was in the locker room after the game yesterday, and he asked some really good questions to Marcus Mariota, and let's just be honest. Marcus Mariota gave some really good answers. So we will hear Marcus Mariota and ask you guys, how will you remember Mariota and his time with his time in Tennessee? Before we get to that, Austin's going to tell you about Renter's Warehouse. Yes, Renter'sWarehouse.com, the professional landlords in the Nashville area. If you're thinking about moving and decide to sell your home, that's just a one-time transaction. You've, you're, all the equity you built in that home is now gone. Boof, gone. But if you keep your house after you move, you do two things. You rent it out. Renter'sWarehouse.com does all that work. And first, you create an extra cash flow for you and your family. And you continue to build equity in that home that you already own. And the best way to build actual wealth, long-term wealth, is owning property. And the Nashville market is the perfect time to take advantage of that. Renter'sWarehouse.com is where to go to find out how much your home will rent for. Renter'sWarehouse.com. That's just one way to use Renter's Warehouse. Maybe your mortgage is eating more into your income that you would like. Don't sell that house in tough times. Go rent out a cheaper house at renterswarehouse.com and have them rent out your house so you can keep that place. Renterswarehouse.com. Vasco brings up that Taylor Juan would go nuts if Michigan won the national championship. He may go nuts, but he wouldn't act like Odell Beckham. He wouldn't be handing out hundreds to players or smacking cops on the butt or doing all those crazy... He would not make a fool of himself. Taylor Juan would not do that. All right, so let's hear this audio from Marcus Mariota uh, from Buck Rising in the locker room yesterday. These guys. Um, it's been a true pleasure and it's a true gift. Um, I think there's a bunch of great players and great people here. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, you know, it's, it's tough to see this season come to an end. I know um, a lot of these guys put in a lot of hard work. Um, but you know what, it's, it's a young team and um, it's continuing to build and I'm excited for the future. Regardless of where it goes, what will you remember about your time in Tennessee? Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a gift. Um, you know, it's been a, been a true pleasure. Um, you know, uh, the organization took a chance on me and I you know, felt like I gave them everything I got. And, um, you know, obviously we're not sure what's going to happen, um, but I, I know uh, when it's all said and done that I gave this organization everything I could. 
To, to follow that up, Jeff Darlington, who was in the locker room yesterday in KC, tweeted out, Marcus Mariota is walking up to every player in the Titans locker room, one after another, now working through the defensive guys, shaking their hands and hugging them. A quiet, quick message for each one. Always classy. Jeff Darlington, that, when I read that tweet, I was like, not surprised. There's one thing that you can always say about Marcus Mariota. He is a team player, and he's a nice individual. I think how Marcus Mariota, and I, I think I have the, the correct answer on this. Yeah. How will you remember Marcus Mariota's time at, with the Titans? I think Marcus Mariota, and we'll find out what the future is, but probably be, will, will, be, will probably be remembered as a transitional quarterback. I think he I think he really helped save this franchise from a really bad situation. A and, transitional and, and quarterback. If they go a transition on, from the dump to a, a team that has actual hope. Like we always talk about Zach in the offseason, NFL teams, the the way the NFL is set up, everybody has hope in the NFL. But now the Titans, because of Marcus Mariota's four plus years as the, as a Titans quarterback gave the Titans and set the Titans up to have actual hope. Now, the thing is, the Titans will not have the luxury of having a quarterback on a rookie contract and everything else gets tighter. And how do they how does John Robinson manage the salary cap with having to pay a quarterback more money than what they've been paying a quarterback? Cosmo says Mariota's a bust. I I'm not saying that. Marcus Mariota is not a bust. How do I feel about Mariota's situation? If it's unfortunate to me because I, I honestly believe well, he's trending. I think he is not, you cannot label him a bust right now, but he's trending more towards a bust than a success. I mean, that's the facts. It's, he's about to get I, cut. I, I call this, un, I call this unfortunate because I truly believe Marcus Mariota when he said, when he says, he said this multiple times now that he's given um, all of his, everything he had to this franchise. The guy was beat up. He was on a awful. He was on the worst football team in the world, in the in that level. And he was on the worst professional football team in the NFL his rookie year, and they went and won nine that's, and seven, nine and game. seven, nine and seven. I, I don't feel bad. But he's but he won a lot of football games, and he went through everything. He broke his leg. He had was well, his first year he went three and thirteen. So that that's. Okay, Correct. my bad. Three, but, three, no, no, no. thirteen, two, but and that's important. It, it back, goes back. To it goes piece. to your point of how bad his football. They team were was. the worst football. But team. that's how it is. That's how it works. Joe Burrow. Oh, let me guess. He's going to be on the worst football team as well. My, my it point. Just, is, it happens like that. Look, Marcus Mariota. I think he was. You can kind of compare him to Mike Malarkey. Is that Mike Malarkey Transitional did a coach. fantastic job until he until he stopped doing a fantastic job. Marcus Mariota. Did a really good job in turning this franchise around until he stopped playing really well. And he deserves a lot of credit for how he's handled everything. Everything. Because Ryan Tannehill talked about Mariota after Ryan Tannehill's father-in-law passed away during the season. And how Marcus helped Tannehill get him through that. And what you read from Jeff Darlington, don't expect anything but that. What Marcus Mariota was doing, uh, I saw he, he gave away a house. He gave away a house to a single parent in Nashville. Like, he didn't have to do that. But Marcus Mariota is a legit person. It's unfortunate that his career did not pan out how it looked like it could have. The other thing, the way I, I, will, I will view Marcus Mariota's time as a Tennessee Titan, the mental game 
got to him. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, and, and there's a lot to that. The mental game of coming back from injury after injury after injury. He dealt with hamstring injuries his rookie year. He broke his leg his second year. He had, you know, ulnar nerve last year. I mean, it, the, it, the list is There's some freak stuff, r- ridiculous. And Jake Locker had very similar things. And I think the mental side of football got to him where he quit. Marcus Mariota has said he still wants to play. He wants to play for another team that this time is not over as a football player. But for the Tennessee Titans, all of that got to a point where he played a contract year. He had his fifth year. The Titans picked up the option, paid him 20 plus million dollars. And in the first six games, the mental side of things were way, they just, they were too much for him because he started overthinking things. He started playing kind of, he didn't play aggressive. And in football, Patrick Mahomes, what makes him so great is that guy plays aggressive. Okay. He takes chances. Mariota this year at the beginning of the year, he got to a point where he was scared to throw an interception. He wasn't throwing the ball downfield. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill was open. It was free. He was throwing the ball. He was getting his hand the ball in the hands of playmakers. Marcus Mariota, the mental game got to him. You diagnosed this as pocket PSD. I absolutely PTSD, think yeah. that we that we hit that on the head. No pun intended on that. But like he we that's what happened. And now he's got to go find his second career at on another team. And we've seen Ryan Tannehill found his second career. Alex Smith found his second career. Who is the person that has been that Mario has been most compared to as an NFL quarterback? I think it's probably Alex Smith. And I honestly believe that Mariota could do something like that. I I don't know if he's going to be as good as Alex Smith was uh, with the Chiefs in his second career. But I think Marcus can go somewhere. Curtis asked, will will Mariota take a pay cut to be a backup here? He's not coming back here. Marcus Mariota is not coming back to the Tennessee Titans as a backup. If that happens, I will probably do like a... I don't know what I would do. No, that's not going to happen. Gonna happen. Uh, Periscoper brings up Patrick Mahomes didn't have the injuries or the bad offensive line. You're absolutely right. You know who did? Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill had the injuries. He had the bad offensive line in Miami. You know who didn't play scared this year? Ryan Tannehill. So that's a better example. Thank you. You're absolutely correct. But there's a better example. Ryan Tannehill played with so much confidence after coming off of a terrible team in Miami and he couldn't do anything. Didn't have that great of weapons. His coaching staff was all jumbled up, kind of like Mariota. Had a bunch of different offensive coordinators. Organization was a mess. But you know what? Ryan Tannehill found another team, and he found another life. And I believe that the Titans will prioritize re-signing him for the future because I think they should. And I think Marcus Mariota will go be a backup somewhere else. But the the best part about being a backup in the NFL, your probability to play is pretty high because quarterbacks get hurt, right? I, I Kyle Mason or uh, Mason Rudolph for the the Steelers, He'd probably going into the season say Big Ben's not going to get hurt. Well, uh, he did. He played a lot, so he, he, Mariota will get another chance somewhere else. He just will. If Blake Bortles can get another chance. God knows Marcus Mariota can get another And uh, several people are bringing up uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, I think that makes sense because Trubisky is kind of in a a similar situation that Mariota was in to start this year. Uh, That maybe that could be a place that Mariota signs as a backup that might have an opportunity uh, to get some starts um, at some point if Trubisky isn't there. He's got to learn how to not play scared. 
Well, and I think uh, how much of him being benched has has helped that. We have no. We have we'll, no idea we'll until have we'll no find idea, out. Right. Right. And you, ho- I hope that I hope he has success because if you think about it, the last two quarterbacks that didn't work out big time for the Titans, Vince Young and Jake Locker. Vince Young, he then went to play for the Bills, the Eagles, and the Packers. Like, nah, he flamed out. He was no good. Jake Locker just quit. He just left. He went back to Washington to go hunting for the rest of his life. So we had we found out those franchise quarterbacks, their aftermath of the Tennessee Titans. I'm curious to see, because Marcus Mario is a good dude, he cares, can he get his quarterbacking skills back? Can he get his swagger back? Like, uh, it, because he had it. It was there. It hasn't, I haven't seen that in two years. Truly. You have not seen Marcus Mariota be confident in two years. Yeah, and the other thing I think that will help him moving forward is it's not like this year he failed as the starting quarterback. He was the backup, right, for the majority of the season. He will go to another team, and he'll continue to be a backup. Marcus Mariota, I guarantee Mike Vrabel, Arthur Smith, the entire coaching staff would tell you, Marcus Mariota was a great backup. He he helped Ryan Tannehill. Sure. Like, he didn't just sit there and and he wasn't a scorned QB that lost his job. That's not Marcus Mariota's personality. And the next job he gets as a backup, he'll help that starting quarterback no matter what his role is. I think that's a testament to who he is. Yeah, and I think there there will be several options for Marcus Mariota to get a job this offseason. Like he's going to have interest because he will be one of the best backups in the NFL. And like you said, quarterbacks get hurt. That's just what happens. And it will happen again. And I would not be shocked to see Marcus Mariota starting a few games uh, as at quarterback in 2020 at I, some point. I think the frustrating part when it came to Mariota and – Look, we're we're full. We got to go full circle. Where I can't just talk about how good of a guy he was. I was super disappointed in Marcus Mariota when he didn't play Week 17 when everything was on the line, and I think he took the business decision to say, "I still have 20 million dollars and another year to prove my worth and prove your value." And then it didn't work out. And then when it didn't work out, the other thing that I struggle with is the fan base. And I get fans are are fanatics. They are loyal to players and their team. But when Marcus Mariota wasn't playing well, it's like the the commenter that started the show. Like, Marcus Mariota turned into a bad quarterback this year. He wasn't any good. He got sacked a bunch. He had two good games. Once against the Cleveland Browns, ended up not being that great of a team. And once against the Atlanta Falcons, ended up not being that great of a team. Other than that, he played so poorly. Like, he put the franchise in a bad spot at 2-4. and You have to move on. It's a business, guys. And it's I, I know fans, it's tough to take their heart out of it, but they need to understand that Marcus Mariota lost his job because he wasn't good at quarterback. He wasn't year. consistent. I think I forget who just said the comment. Maybe it was Donald uh, saying that his his high levels of play were not there all the time. He was too inconsistent. And like you, you would see that and he was he was the constant tease. Because Marcus would make some unbelievable play, and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy is fun to watch. And then he would be really boring for the next three quarters. So it, it somebody was saying that uh, Edward, I think it was, was saying that I think you guys are wrong about eight. He's going to be a starter somewhere uh, next year. I, who knows? He's going to get a job somewhere, most likely as a backup 
Would he be signed to but be a somebody? But he'll be back in the same position if he doesn't figure it out up top. He will. It's a mental game. You have to be mentally strong and have people run at you. He has to play like he played at Oregon. And you're not going to play like that in the pros because his skill set, his skill set is his legs, his athletic ability, his read option, the way his ability to read players is very very good. But he struggles with downfield throws. He struggles with accuracy at times. He struggles with arm strength at times because he doesn't step into the football. How do I know all this? Because I've watched every single pass he's made as a professional athlete, live and in person, and from from far away. But I, we covered the guy. I know his strengths and his weaknesses. His greatest weakness is his brain. And I, I don't know how to get over that. And sometimes, you, like Chuck Knobloch, he had the yips. He's, he was a good baseball player, but... All of a sudden, you just sail it over the first baseman's head. He just had a yips. He had a mental block. Marcus Mariota has to figure out how to get over his mental block and play like he played his senior year or junior year at Oregon when he won the Heisman Trophy. Second year in the NFL before he broke his leg. And you have to get I, past all of the injuries, and yeah. that's really, really hard. Because he, keep, he kept getting hurt. He kept getting hurt. Somebody asked, was he good for Oregon? He won the Heisman Trophy. They went to the national championship game. Of course he was good for Oregon. Um, A to Z Sports here live. I think Steve puts it pretty well. Flashes of greatness, and then there was flatness for Marcus Mariota, where just not able to have any juice uh, at the end of his Titans career. Uh, And we will move on, and Marcus Mariota will move on, and I'm sure we'll be talking about where eight ends up later on in the offseason. A to Z Sports, let's get to our end of show topic and something that Zach I know Zach went out and made this a priority for his weekend. The big fight, Conor McGregor in UFC. What's your interest level when it comes to the UFC? Uh, That's our end of show topic today. But first, let me tell you guys about Mandu, the pulse of fitness. Why is it the pulse of fitness? It's because it's a 15-minute workout that's all full-body electronic muscle stimulation. That's the pulse of fitness. And that 15 minutes at Mandu simulates five hours in the weight room. My legs are still sore. I did Mandu on Friday, and it's Monday, and I'm still feeling the effects because of what that workout does for your body. Also, the in-body analysis can show you the science of how to achieve your fitness goals. If you're starting 2020 and you say, I want to lose 15 pounds, maybe it's as little as I want to shave off like five to 10 pounds, and you don't know how to do it, Mandu shows you how to do that and shows you how to lose the right weight. Mandu.com, your first workout is absolutely free at Mandu.com. Before we get to our UFC thing, Mike Clay uh, of uh, ESPN just tweeted this out. Do you know how many touches Derrick Henry got this season? Is it 400? And nine. 409? That's He had 300 and th- oh, touches, so that counts receptions as well. So I thought he had 303 uh, carries in the regular season. Then he went... Uh, 30 and 34 and 19 in the playoffs. So that's just carries. So a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of touches. That's crazy. Uh, Are you interested in the UFC? I have my simple answer. After watching it, I'm interested in the big superstar like Conor McGregor. I don't care about the guys that I necessarily don't know. I like heavyweight fights, but here's my problem with UFC. And it's just always going to be like this. It's a sport of one person can have a talent like 
I don't even know these guys' names, but one dude was huge, like massive. His skill set was going to the ground and getting submissions. Yeah. The other guys, his skill set was knocking a guy out, punching. Usually what happens when those, they go to the ground. And when they go to the ground, that's when my interest level starts to wane. You like more the boxing and kickboxing style, not the wrestling. Well, because that's where the knockout's going to happen. That's where the excitement comes. And I don't know what's going on down yeah, there Yeah, because the you're not like a trained, you don't have a trained eye no, for, I, just I, to understand like common, what moves going common on. Common guy. Correct, yeah. So, but I, I, I found, the other thing that I'm baffled by on the Conor McGregor front, it was amazing the damage that Conor McGregor did to his opponent in 30 seconds. If you watch the post-game interviews, Cowboy, the gay guy faced, his face had looked like he had just been mauled by a bear. And he had only been in the ring with his opponent for 30 seconds. Yeah. It is, and Conor McGregor, when they like touch gloves, like, right, this guy's much bigger than Conor McGregor. It don't matter. It doesn't matter. So that I find that very, very intriguing of how a smaller guy can just beat the hell out of another guy like that. My my interest level in UFC is almost zero. Like, I really do not care. Have you tried to watch it? In the past, yes. Recently, no. I, I, I Because I don't like... I, I'm not a WWE guy. I never was. I, I, boxing... Well, that in, stuff's fake. So I, boxing right, intrigued me more than than the UFC did when I was younger. I actually, I actually grew up wrestling. I wrestled, started wrestling from like when I was like six years old and then I wrestled some in middle school and then it conflicted with basketball. So I stopped. So I used to wrestle some and I was pretty decent at it, but I, I just don't find any interest in, in guys in sports where you're trying to maul someone and rip their face off. Like, I feel like it's so inhumane that I don't, that it doesn't do it for me. I also don't like the analysts of who are covering UFC fights because they're too obnoxious. Like everything about the UFC is just obnoxious and it's just too much for well, me. Well, it's, it's made for a different fan. Exactly. And that's not me. I, I, I don't like that. Like I, I'm not about trying to rip somebody's face off. Like I don't care. I find it entertaining. What I don't find entertaining. And I figured this out just on Saturday night at the, the, the previous cards before the main event. I don't like watching women fight. It makes me uncomfortable. A lot of people don't. It makes me uncomfortable. I, and I know it's just, it, I just don't like it. Like, I, I because, and I, because I can't relate to it, right? Yeah, well, and, and I, I, somebody said wrestling, somebody said the oldest sport in the world. Wrestling is the oldest sport in the world, not MMA. That Wrestling, like actual, like, like pinning like, to the like ground. Olympic wrestling. This that, is not, who, this is far from that. <laughs> There's a lot of like aspects. And I don't of know it. the rules too. Like I know you can't you know knee somebody in the groin. You can't punch them in the back of the head. Oh, you can't wrestling! Gouge their wrestling eyes. is it has a ton of rules, and you have and like wrestling well, is UFC so has rules too. Yeah, I, I, I know, just but, listed three. Yeah, but, again, one I don't the, know but one of the rules, one of the things, like you, can, if you can take your elbow or forearm and knock them in somebody else's eye socket then I'm just not about that. Like wrestling, like actual Olympic wrestling is so strategic and mental. The hardest, the hardest. By the UFC is too. The hardest practice, I've, and I've played every sport minus soccer. The hardest practice ever 
is a wrestling practice because it's hard on you physically and it's hard on you mentally. And the point of a wrestling practice is to physically wear you out and then mentally wear you out every day at practice because that's what happens when you're wrestling. See, I, that doesn't appeal to me. Wrestling, like, wrestling is something like sports build character a lot. Wrestling is something that builds so much character because it's still a team sport, but at a different level. But it it like it works on your level of perseverance as a human being a lot. Like and, it may uh, and on your your conditioning level, uh, how strict you are with your regiment. Like wrestling is tough, guys, and and like that's something where like if I have a son. I would like them to dabble in wrestling to see if they like it. If they like it, I think it would be good for that person's, for my son's growth. I'd be growth. like, bro, you don't want cauliflower ear. You ain't wrestling. Oh, I wrestled for like eight years and never got cauliflower ear. Just shower and you're going to be fine. Well, I, you, don't, you don't know how that works. I do know how it works. <laughs> cauliflower ear can happen to anybody wrestling. Yeah, but you're putting You're putting yourself in that. Yes, but again, for someone who wrestled for eight years of my life, I never got cauliflower from, from, ear. Do you wrestle all through high school? No, I, I stopped because wrestling and basketball conflicted. So when did you stop wrestling? I stopped wrestling in seventh grade was my last year. Yeah, yeah, that's the reason why you don't get cauliflower, because you stopped short. You know, Grown-ass men like seniors in high school, those guys get cauliflower. Why? Because the weight is much like The weight? The, the, you know what cauliflower comes from? Uh, it's, it's not not the weight of people. It's sweat and germs. Well, and also you're, also you're, you're swapping your, fluids. Your ear getting destroyed. Uh, yeah, but uh, kids got cauliflower ear young too. Like cauliflower ears. But all your probability about- in high school is much better than it is seventh grade. Let's let's look this uh, up. Okay, cauliflower is acquired as a deformity of the outer ear is usually due due to blunt trauma to the ear, bro, or inflammation. Yes, comes it's from blunt fluids. trauma though. Like that's you get cauliflower. That's why these guys get cauliflower because they they wrestle and they fight and there's blunt trauma to the ear. It's not. Yes, it has bacteria involved in it, but it's blunt trauma. It's it actually doesn't even mention bacteria. So that's incorrect about that. That's yeah. one of the things. And I think cauliflower is disgusting. I think. You know, it's, later in life, it's, it, it it's doesn't an, go away. It's an, it's, it's an injury that gets infected. That's what cauliflower ear is. <laughs> yes. A blunt injury. You're it's an injury that, that... Blunt then, trauma. Right. But you can, like... It, it Again, it's all about, like, taking care of your no, body and your No, it has to do ears. with blunt trauma as well. If you, you can maul I, I, I your know ear... It, I know it does, but it's... it's well, that, that, and so you're putting yourself in a harm way. I'm, I don't want cauliflower ear. Okay, nobody does, and but and there are plenty of people who wrestle and do types of stuff where they don't get cauliflower ear. There's plenty of people that don't wrestle and don't get cauliflower ear. Yes, correct. <laughs> There's more people that wrestle and do get cauliflower yes, ear. Yes, yeah. So that's my point. Okay. Okay. All right. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I was actually uh, somebody was like, uh, I had to. Yeah, I, I the worst thing I did in seventh grade. I had to go from wrestling practice directly to middle school basketball practice. That's why I stopped wrestling because that was exhausting and wore me down. 
even if you're, it doesn't matter if you're a 12 year old kid with as much energy as you could possibly think of going from wrestling practice directly to basketball practice and having two straight hours of that over and over and over for months will wear you out. And oh, that's why you stop cool. wrestling. Yeah. And the other thing is, you know, when you get cut weight, I always saw the wrestlers down at the bottom of the I didn't have an issue with that. <laughs> well, some people obviously did. Yes. They, and they, they wear garbage bags and they're running in front of heaters. And I'm like, God, you were just, that, that's, that's, that looks awful. Yeah. Wrestling that, practice that sucked doesn't ass. look fun. It was, it was awful. But winning a wrestling match is one of the most rewarding things you could possibly do. Because you just physically dominated somebody else. Winning, pinning somebody is an incredible <laughs> feeling. Chicks did qualify here for some reason? No. no not no. not the right type of chicks there, no. Monsoon. Yeah, some edgier chicks maybe. Uh, it, it depends on where you are with qualifier. If you're a UFC millionaire, yeah, I think chicks dig that. But if you're just some average Joe 26 that hung up his wrestling boots <laughs> like, like in between college or after college, chicks don't dig cauliflower ears. So <laughs> that's another reason. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, cauliflower gives you the heebie-jeebies. I don't like. Hey, it. I had a friend because well, there's fluid in there. Because then you got to pop it, and oh, then your ears god. just flat. Oh god, that's why. And 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 for those reasons, I'm out. <laughs> oh, zero oh. interest in UFC. Doesn't do it. For, I'm not about that. I, I like people getting knocked out, but because I, it's watching. It's like just it's a guy thing. I think. Right, yeah. it, it, there's testosterone, boom, pow. I was fascinated and very impressed the way Conor McGregor won that fight. Uh, Mikey says, I think we need an A to Z sports wrestling match to settle the disagreements. Uh, we both, I think there I, might be one okay shoulder between our four shoulders. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, my right shoulder. And my, uh, my right shoulder's jacked up. My left has some issues. Yeah, that's an awful idea. I told you, I'm not wrestling. I'm not getting cauliflower here, especially <laughs> from my co-host. Plus, I'm I don't, not getting I don't want to be that, that. God, you don't want me to get cauliflower. If I get cauliflower in my right ear, you're going to have to look at that. You don't want to look at that. That? I do not. The people don't want to look at that. If I get on my left ear, that's the ear that everybody sees when I turn towards you. Now, cauliflower has affected your life. Yeah, I'll only get it on my left We're, ear so it's hidden from you guys. It's not about that. Uh, Chad asks, when does Buck lose his hair? We got a lot of bets to settle here over the next, next couple of weeks, including my ass getting tased, Austin for five straight days, dressing up and painting his face like a Titans fan. God, I cannot wait for that. Derrick Henry Pro Bowl jersey. Derrick Henry Pro Bowl jersey and Buzz Lightyear, excuse me, Buck Rising, just shaving his head. So there's a lot to pay off over this offseason. I do before we close out. Yeah. want to say thank you guys, all of our followers, all of our support. We grew tremendously over the last several weeks through this run. We're going to continue to give you the best content, and we got a lot of things planned planned in 2020. But you, you guys' interaction is why we do what we do, so we appreciate you. Thanks, guys, for watching. We will see you tomorrow. Buck flying back from Kansas City this morning as we speak. He'll be back for A to Z Sports Primetime at 8 o'clock tonight. Again, make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, there is locker room cleanout day and a press conference from Mike Vrabel this afternoon. Uh, so we'll have more Titans coverage to really put this season to bed uh, today and then more talk and a huge offseason. A very critical offseason for the Tennessee Titans officially starts this afternoon. So we'll see you guys later on. Thanks for watching. Adios.